Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and in today's episode, we're talking with Benjamin Hardy. Ben is the number one writer on Medium.com. His work has been read by over 50 million people, and he went from zero to 300,000 email subscribers in two and a half years, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, During that time, he also created a seven-figure business, and he uh, actually just completed uh, the adoption of uh, two children that he was fostering um, three year process. And, and so uh, I know you had to be unstoppable through that and through all that you've done in business. Ben, welcome to the Unstoppable CEO. Thank you. I'm really uh, glad to be here with you, my friend. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about uh, what you have going on. Before we get into um, kind of the meat of everything, I'd love for you to give everybody a little bit of background and context for what got you to this point in your career. Yeah. So, um, I'm almost done with my PhD in organizational psychology and in 2000, so I started my PhD program in 2014. In 2015, in January, my wife and I became the foster parents of three kids and um, that was kind of the impetus for me to really start writing. So from 2010 to 2015, I wanted to be a writer. I knew I wanted to be a writer, but I didn't do anything about it. And then in 2015, when we became foster parents, there was this intense pressure on me to like support this family. You know, this like now I went from having zero kids to having three. And uh, there's a quote from Will Durant. He's a famous historian. And he says that the ability of the average person could be doubled if their situation demanded it of them. So most people, they rise or fall to the demands of their situation. Um, Anyways, so once we became foster parents, it kind of created this pressure that led me to feel the urgency to start writing. So I started writing, I started investing in myself. And that's kind of one of the big things that I think will come out as a theme in this episode is that once I started investing money into my goal to become a writer, I became a lot more committed. So the first big investment was spending $800 on my website. That freaked me out in the beginning. Then I uh, bought a $197 online course that taught me how to write viral headlines. And then uh, those two small investments, you know, provoked me to like start writing a lot. Uh, Then I started to educate myself on the craft of how to like build an audience, how to do all those things. And then, you know, I started making bigger and bigger investments in myself. Uh, I spent $250 to buy 20 copies of a book from Jeff Goins. Uh, He's an online writer. And to buy 20 copies of his book, that allowed me to have a 30-minute phone call with him. And that 30-minute phone call changed the trajectory of my career. It allowed me to ask him very important questions, which tweaked the direction I was going. Um, So during this course, I was writing more and more and more and more and learning how to get more and more traffic. Um, And, you know, if we wanted to, I could go into some of the specifics that I learned. But um, then it came time to, like, write a book proposal. So I spent $3,000 to hire Ryan Holiday to help me write a book proposal. Ryan Holiday is a best-selling author. And uh, I had wanted to write a book proposal for about a year, but it wasn't until I invested money and hired a mentor and a mentor who I respected that could just show me exactly how I did it that I wrote the book proposal. <laughs> and so uh, there's just investments all along the way that led to increasing commitment. That's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, well, I I think there's a lot to unpack and go to school on right in there. But the first thing that jumped into my mind was, you know, if you're faced with a situation where you suddenly have to support a family of five, 
being a writer isn't the first place that most people would think of. Uh, I don't think anybody looks at that as being a really, really lucrative uh, or easy career. What what was it about that, you know, kind of going down that route that that really called you? Yeah, well, so I wanted to be a writer for a long time. And so, you know, I wasn't looking at it from like the starving artist perspective. I was looking at it from like I've seen some of the writers who I admire make millions of dollars. Um, and it's not like I had the intention of making millions of dollars in the beginning. It was more like what happened was is when I became a foster parent, I felt this huge pressure not only to support them, but I also felt this reality check that life was going to start moving fast. Um, that, you know... I was going to have to like start supporting these kids. I just felt this weight that like things are going to move forward. And if I don't pursue this writing thing now, it's never going to happen. And so it was kind of like this convergence of a lot of things. I felt this pressure to succeed because I had to succeed. My wife gave me an ultimatum. She gave me one year that like, you know, you can buy this website, you can try this stuff for a year, but if you don't get results, like you need to just focus more on your PhD and get this stuff done. Like, and so obviously when I was doing all my writing, I, I wasn't the best PhD student. I'm still going to finish my degree, but I started to allocate my energy and time towards that. And uh, when you're in a position where you need to make money, you, you figure out how to do it. You know, there's this idea that necessity is the mother of invention. And so that's when I was in that position. And I in the book, Willpower Doesn't Work, I call that a forcing function. It's a, you know, you put yourself in the situation that forces you to function in a specific way. And so that's really what happened. It's like I needed to make money. I, I uh, created conditions that forced me to succeed and then I had to make money. So I learned how through writing. And that's that's where I had to learn the marketing piece. I'd love to come back to this idea of investment. Um, it's interesting. It's one of the things I've noticed over the years. Every time I've made a significant investment in myself, um, whether that's getting a mentor or, you know, investing to get around a group of people uh, or acquire some knowledge, there's always a jump that takes place after that. It's not immediate all the time, but there's always a jump that takes place after that. And when I've tried to do it without making that monetary investment, I think the monetary investment is really important that the, the bump usually doesn't follow uh, or at least not to the same degree. Talk a little bit about how making those investments. I mean, it sounds like when you made the first ones, they were big investments, even though they're not a huge amount of money, big investments at the time. What does that do to your mindset as you make those investments? Yeah. Okay. So this is great because this is literally what I've been studying through my PhD. My my big question through my PhD is what's the difference between wannabe entrepreneurs and real entrepreneurs? And so I've spent my whole PhD research interviewing tons of wannabes versus tons of people who are actually real entrepreneurs. And what I have found is the core difference between these two populations is, is that at some point, the real entrepreneurs started investing money in themselves. And they started investing money in their job or in their career, or their business or in their skill sets. And that investment led to commitment. So uh, in economics, there's a concept called escalation of commitment. Basically, what happens is, is once you become really invested in something, it becomes hard not to commit to that thing. It's based on a concept called sunk cost bias, which is an economic term. But uh, basically, the more and more invested you become in anything financially, you start to wrap your identity around that thing. You start to go from seeing yourself as, as wanting to do something to actually seeing yourself as that thing. You begin to fully identify with it. You become really committed to it. And um, then you start shifting your focus from the from the risks to the rewards. And so um, 
you know, there is so much. Uh, basically, there's there's one other angle about investing in yourself that's different from commitment. So commitment is huge. Um, but the other thing is, is there's a quote from a, a guy named Dr. David Hawkins. He wrote a really good book called Power Versus Force. He's also wrote, written a book called Letting Go. But he uh, he says that the unconscious will only allow you to have what you believe you deserve. So basically, if you look at a person's life, it's the product of what they unconsciously believe they can have in their life, what they believe they deserve. And so what happens is, is when you invest money in yourself, whether it's your skills, your abilities, your relationships, your network, you shatter your subconscious paradigm about what you think is possible. Like you, you, you tell yourself, I believe I can have this, I believe I can deserve it, and you shatter this subconscious paradigm that's limiting you, and then you put yourself in proximity to, let's just say, a mentor. For example, when I made that $200 phone call, $250 phone call, not only did I shatter my belief that I could like, that I should invest myself in my writing career, but I literally put myself in proximity to a writer who I admired, and I was able to ask them questions face-to-face and when you watch yourself do stuff like this, you're convincing yourself that you're serious about it. Like you're no longer dreaming, you're doing. And you're watching yourself literally invest money in it. You're watching yourself learn from mentors. You're watching yourself do these things. And you're and um and really from a psychology perspective, who you are is really the product of your behavior. So like in Western culture, we think that who we are is is the product of our personality. We think that your personality is something you're born with and it leads you to like behave in certain ways. But what the research shows is that it's actually your behavior that shapes your personality. How you behave on a regular basis determines how you view yourself. And so when you start investing money in your stuff, when you start <laughs> communicating with mentors and watching all this stuff happen, you're watching yourself do it. And so you begin to identify with it. You're like, I must be a writer. And then you start acting that way. And so um, those are just some of the ideas. I mean, I, I actually believe that when you invest in yourself in specific ways, it actually leads to a 10, a 10x increase. Um, and uh, that's why I've invested in groups like Genius Network. So like Genius Network is a, a mastermind group that costs $25,000 to be a part of. It's extremely expensive. But one of the philosophies of Genius Network is that, that if you do not make at least $250,000 as a product of your $25,000 investment, if it doesn't at least return 10x, then you can't join again the, the next year because you didn't actually get out of the group what you should have. And so that's how I view investing in yourself. It has to be a 10x investment or else it's not the right investment. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, and, and I think it's a it's a fundamental principle for making progress. Um, it, it's a way to kind of engineer the game so that you'll win. And too often I see people running around trying to, you know, to, to operate in a vacuum and do things on their own. And that, in my experience, that leads to a whole lot more of what you've got. Um, and, and by making that investment, I, I've just, again and again, I've watched it both in people we've worked with and, and in, uh, in my own investments and in, in my friends and colleagues. Um, it's always, it's just this really cool inflection point to watch when, when you make that investment and you make that jump because you're, you're gaining capability, but you're gaining, in addition to that, you're getting confidence and you're getting a new perspective. Uh, I think all of those are very valuable. So you, you've now you've created this business um, that you really haven't, you know, you haven't been doing it all that long. Um, you're now the number one writer on Medium, built an enormous email list. Um, how did all that come about? I mean, that doesn't happen overnight, but it's happened very quickly for you. So what were some of the keys that, that contributed to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, 
kind of going on along with this idea of 10x thinking. Um, in 2015, when I started, so in 2015, I was still still working as a graduate assistant, you know, doing research and stuff. But it was halfway through that year that I decided to quit the job and really pursue this thing. So in 2015, I made $12,000 because that's what graduate students make. <laughs> they have their tuition paid for. In 2016, I really started to learn the methods of growth and I made like 110 or $115,000. And in 2017, I made over a million. And so it's like, you know, you just add a zero every year. And so how does that work? Well, some of the big inflection points and things I learned was that, um, so in the beginning, I was learning how to write viral headlines, but I wasn't, I didn't have the right call to action at the end of my article. So on medium.com, you can stick calls to action at the end of your articles and send people to like, a website or a landing page and try to get them to opt in with a free giveaway. Well, for the first several months, I was sending people to my website and I was trying to offer them a free ebook. And the problem with sending people to your website is that there's so many distractions, there's so many tabs, there's so many options. And so after I read Russell Brunson's book.com secrets, I stopped sending people to my website and I started sending people to a landing page where they only had two options, either give me their email or leave the page. And once I made that shift, I went from getting about 1,000 emails a month to getting 5,000 emails a month on the same amount of traffic for my blogs. And then I shifted from an ebook to a checklist. So rather than giving people a high pressure, or not even high pressure, but just high commitment offer, like not everyone wants to read a full ebook. So I started offering people a free checklist of like the best activities to do in the morning, you know, or a cheat sheet on how to do this or that. Small, actionable giveaways. Once I made a shift from, from the ebook to the checklist, I went from 5,000 emails a month to 20,000 emails a month with the same amount of traffic. So that just shows a few things. It shows first off that it's not the amount of traffic that matters, although that does matter, but it's also how the giveaway is structured and where you're sending people. Don't send people to a, uh, a website, send people to a landing page. Give them an actionable, simple, easy give, giveaway that's compelling. Um, so those were some of the big things I learned. And then a lot of it was just, uh, you know, like I said, investing. Once I wrote the, the book proposal, like at the beginning of 2017, I got a $220,000 book deal for my first book because I had 100,000 email subscribers at the time. Um, and then I started, then I just literally invested that whole book contract, all 220000 of, of it back into the business. You know, I had learned how to get a little bit of passive income you know, a couple thousand bucks a month or up to now 10, 15,000 bucks a month passive income just on traffic from the blog. And so I invested almost, I actually invested my entire book deal, all 20, 220 grand of it right back into the book. I hired Ryan Holiday again to help me write the book because I wanted to like get better at writing. Uh, I hired a publicist. I joined Genius Network. I joined another, I joined several other masterminds to create this huge network, like you said, to set up the conditions so that the game would win. You know, one of the things that Cal Newport talks about is that uh, to be so good you can't be ignored, you have to develop rare skills and abilities. The only way to do that is to get the right mentoring and education. And so, uh, you know, you develop rare skills and abilities and then you develop a network that can that you can actually give those rare skills and abilities to. I think that's one of the big things that most people mistake about investing in yourself is they think that when you invest money in like, let's just say a mentorship or a relationship, you immediately think that they should be that like you've paid them so they should start paying you back. It's all focused on reciprocity. And uh, what I've found is that the way to really go 10X is you invest money in a mentorship or in a mastermind, and then you use your rare skills and abilities that you've developed 
to be an extreme giver, not a taker. You So basically you're paying money to give them stuff. I actually, uh, I did that. I, I paid Ryan Holiday a lot of money and he's helped me a lot, but I've, I've helped him potentially even more. Um, like I've helped get him tens of thousands of email subscribers on his medium without him having to do much work. And I'm happy to do it because he's the kind of mentor I want. I mean, it's the same with people in Genius Network. It's like when you pay people money and then you help them, they they help you 10x what you could ever imagine because they just love you because you're a giver and not a taker. And so those were some of the key things I learned. I, I think that's a, a really key point. Now, you know, go, going back to the way that you've grown um, and, and got and built an audience, uh, you know, you, you kind of passed right over this idea of, uh, you know, you talked about changing to the landing page, but before that ever happens and before you can ever get to 5,000 email subscribers in a month, you've got to have 5,000 people at least coming to a landing page where you're asking for an email address. And the truth is the vast majority of people who ever listen to this don't have anywhere near 5,000 people coming to their website in a month. So what can you share in, in a couple of minutes that that really drove that for you? Yeah. Okay. So I'll go back to the beginning. So I started writing online. So I took this online course and the online course was from John Morrow. It's all about guest blogging. It was, I don't even know if it's available anymore, but it was $197. Um, and truth be told, I actually offer my own course now at this point that teaches, I have several hours on writing, um, headlines and things like that. And the only way anyone can get access to that course is if they actually pre-order Willpower Doesn't Work. Uh, there's over 10 hours of co content, so we can talk about that later. But basically what I learned from that course was how to write compelling headlines. And compelling headlines are, are things that basically dare or pressure the, pusher, the, the person to click on it. They need to be highly emotional and interesting. Um, but then obviously you need to provide amazing content so that people get to the bottom and they, they love it. But I'll just give you a couple examples. Like, so for example, I wrote an article called Want to Become a Multimillionaire? Question mark. Do these 15 things immediately. So like there's a big number. There's the word multimillionaire and it's do these things immediately. It's like immediate. You know, there's another article. It's like, you know, if you're not doing these five things, your life is more off track than you think. Like there's got to be some intrigue, some emotion, and it's got to feel actionable. It's like, and so whatever your, whatever your audience is, it doesn't have to be related to self-improvement. You want to focus on numbers. You want to focus on emotion. You want to focus on outcomes. And outcomes people either want or they want to avoid. So it's like if you're in the weight loss category, it's like, you know, here's six simple steps to avoid belly fat, you know, or like here's how to lose 30 pounds in 30 days. You know, it's like, you know, numbers like that actually work. So like the big article that blew me up and initially was called eight things every person should do before 8 a.m., so it was eight before eight. Um, and how did that happen? Well, so I took this online course in about May of 2015. And from May till June, May till the end of June, so it was about a month and a half, two months, I wrote literally about 50 articles. And I was pitching them to a ton of places. I was writing like two to three articles a day sometimes. And um, I was learning how to write headlines and I was practicing a lot. And so there's two key concepts here. One is that quantity is the path to quality. If you do a ton of stuff in a small amount of time, you start to you start to really kind of develop some skill, some mastery. But number two is it's better to be it's better to be prolific than perfect. And so it's better to just pump stuff out even if it's not perfect. And the whole you know you just can't be a perfectionist if you want to get good at something. 
And you have to be willing to say something that you might regret, you know, a few years down the road if you change your mind. Like there's stuff that I've written about. And if you're a person who's constantly learning and growing, your worldview better be changing. And so you have to be willing to own that. Like I look back at some of the stuff I initially wrote and I'm like, I wouldn't have written that today. But like it's better to be prolific than perfect and it's okay to change your mind if you're going to be continually growing. And so that's really what happened is that I wrote 50 articles in two months and then one of them went viral. And then I just took what I was learning and just started to get better and better. And so, you know, you develop rare skills and abilities, you, you do a lot of the work, and then you just learn from your errors and you learn marketing. I mean, that's, that's kind of how you do it. And uh, I've coached and trained a lot of people and a lot of people, they'll write 50 articles and they'll not get one to go viral. Um, again, I had a lot of pressure to succeed. There was a lot of external demands on me. I had a wife and three kids that depended on me. I had been studying again for five years. I wanted to be a writer from 2010 to 2015, so I had read thousands of books. I now had this external pressure to succeed, and then I was investing in myself, and I was pumping out tons of articles. If you combine all that together, I mean, eventually it just kicked. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, and it was right place. It was right place at right time too. I mean, Medium was totally primed for someone like me to jump on and just start blowing it up with self improvement content that was different from stuff that they had seen before. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it was situational. Yeah. Hey, it makes a lot of sense. And sometimes those opportunities do come along. But I think the key takeaway is that uh, you know that that focused action is really critical. Um, having uh, you know gone through a, a period of of uh, a couple of years where, where we wrote an email to our list every day, which I mean, that's, that's a lot of content that, that, that we put together. I, I became, uh, a better writer than, than I've ever been. And, uh, and it wouldn't have happened without that kind of focused effort. And I think, um, you know, what, what you're describing is the same, just, you know, you've got to at some point do the work. Um, uh, and so, I want to hear more about uh, your book when we come back. We're going to be right back in just a minute from, uh, with more from uh, Ben Hardy. Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute, but what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast. Leave us a review, rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net, forward slash iTunes. You can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. Hey, welcome back to the Unstoppable CEO podcast. I'm here with Ben Hardy. And Ben, I know you've got a new book coming out. Um, and uh, you were gracious enough to, to share an advanced copy with me. And, and I've read it. It's uh, it's fantastic. Um, I would love for you to just share with everybody just a, a little bit about the book and, and uh, why you wrote it. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of my inspiration to write the book came from being a foster parent of three kids. Um, also just studying psychology and studying the power of environment. So one of my favorite quotes in the book comes from Dr. Marshall Goldsmith, who's a psychologist. And he says that if we do not create and control our environment, our environment creates and controls us. And uh, one of the things that I found in studying psychology is that Western people, Americans, Europeans, we really are very individualistic. We've, we're very focused on ourselves, and we, in, we almost entirely ignore the power of surroundings, about how the situation influences your thoughts, your behaviors, and even your identity. And uh, social psychologists have this idea 
called the fundamental attribution error, which means that, you know, let's just say you're driving down the road and someone cuts you off. Like if someone cuts you off, you're likely to think like that's a bad person. You're not likely to think that person may be in a hurry because of some other factors. Like, and when someone does that, they commit what psychologists call the fundamental attribution error. It's the fundamental decision-making mistake that Western thinkers make. Um, and so what the book's really all about is that your environment is very powerful. Number one, your envi- you know, you are the product of your environment, whether it's reactive or proactive, whether you've created an environment you want to be a part of, or whether you're just grinding against an environment that you don't want to be a part of. And most people's environments are conflicting with their goals. Most people's environments are pushing against them. And that's why they have to use so much willpower. They have to use willpower in an environment where they have to constantly be like trying to like resist temptation, whether it's like sugar or distraction on the internet or buzzing on their phone. Like most people's environments are set up for them to fail. And so because of that, there's a constant use of willpower. And as the willpower research finds, it's like a muscle that depletes with use. The more decisions you make, the less good the decisions become. And so willpower is a bad approach to life. And the reason people use it is because they're so focused on themselves rather than their surroundings. And so this book is all about how to create situations that force you to succeed, how to think more holistic about life, how to think, how to be more mindful. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, to me, I think it's going to be a compelling book in 2018. I think it could be one of the biggest self-improvement books of the year because it's, it's going to be compelling for people. Like, I think it's going to change the conversation and flip the script a little bit. And that's my goal is that uh, it helps people to actually to make the changes they want. And in my opinion, people are not going to make the changes they want if they don't also change their environment. You can't change yourself if you don't change your environment. You're, they're two parts of the exact same whole. And uh, so that's kind of the premise. And yeah, the book's just, it's a very strategic guide about how to change your life. So you talk about two types of environments in the book. Um, High stress and and high recovery. Uh, can you explain the the two and how they play a role? Totally. Yeah. So in the in the uh, in the world of weightlifting, what happens is, is let's just say a person does a lot of really intense um, like resistance training. They do a lot of weightlifting. Well, it's not during the weightlifting that a person actually gains muscle and gains strength. It's actually while they're resting. It's while they're asleep. It's while they're you know. So you, a lot of people don't get stronger because they don't rest enough. And uh, also in the realm of kind of creativity, most creative ideas don't happen while you're at your office. Actually, the research says that only 6% of good ideas happen while you're at work. Most of those ideas happen while you're totally outside the work environment, relaxing and resting. Um, And so the idea is, is that in certain environments, there's a lot of, well, so what I call these types of environments is I call them enriched environments. An enriched environment is where there's lots there's lots of things that keep you totally engaged and focused in the moment. So in a high-stress environment, you have a lot of responsibility. You're trying stuff you've never done before. It's difficult. There's consequences. Like All of these components of the environment force you to be engaged. You're not distracted. That's almost the opposite of how most people's work environments are. Most people's work environments are like low stress, low consequences, high distraction, low flow. And so the idea is is that in both of these types of enriched environments, you're totally engaged. You're in a flow state because the environment is set up for that. So if you're in a high pressure situation, you know, you're going to be working very hard, but then you need to rest. And ultimately, it's while you're resting and recovering that you're going to be getting not only your best ideas, but it's where kind of the growth happens. So there's an idea in organizational psychology, which is what I'm getting my PhD in, and it's called 
psychologically detaching from work. And it talks about how people who don't actually detach from work, like mentally, emotionally, and physically, they have a really hard time reattaching to work when they go back. And most people in today's world, they're always plugged in. They always have their phone on. They're always checking their email. They're always kind of like, they're never fully on and they're never fully off. They're always kind of just midway in between. And the idea of enriched environments is, is that when you're in a high pressure, high stakes situation, you're fully on. You're not distracted. But when you're in a, when you're in a high rest environment, you're fully off. You're fully detached from work. You're fully detached from what you're doing. You're totally engaged with your other life, whether that's resting, being with your family, whatever. You know, and so uh, in a high rest environment, you're just totally recovering. And during that recovery, you're setting yourself up to just grow in all sorts of ways. And in my opinion, those two uh, environments are essential for growth, and they're very rare. Very few people have a truly high rest environment, and very very few people have a truly high stress environment that's forcing them to succeed. So just to make this really practical for everybody listening – can you describe how, how you apply these in, in your own situation? Totally. Yeah. So like when it comes to high recovery, and I think people need to optimize for high recovery first, like literally allow yourself off days, like free days. Like uh, so Dan Sullivan, he's the founder of Strategic Coach, which is a really smart program. He talks about having focus days and having free days. And he recommends all entrepreneurs take 100, 150 free days a year. And, and these focus and free days are basically the same idea as high stress, high recovery environments. But like on a free day, you don't work. You, if you get an email and you check it on a free day, it no longer counts as a free day. So like basically what that means is just like literally allow yourself to be off. Like Tim Ferriss calls them mini retirements, you know, like take a few mini retirements regularly. Give yourself a day where you just go and rest and go have fun, like a fun day. Uh, or just a day where you're with your kids and your wife and you don't have your phone on you. Uh, take a Sabbath, you know, like whatever it is, like literally give yourself time off and just recover and like engage back into life. People are so addicted to work. And so I think that that's kind of the first practicality is if you actually give yourself time to rest and recover, you're going to get a lot of clarity. You're going to realize potentially that you're off path. You know, once you actually get clear, you realize, wow, I've been grinding on the wrong goals or I've been doing the wrong things. And then when you're actually, you know, so that's, you know, how do you create a high, high rest environment is take off more time when you're actually home, be home. Uh, another thing that Dan Sullivan says is wherever you are, make sure that's where you are. You know, wherever you are, that's where you should be. Just be where you are and actually allow yourself more time off. Um, but then when you're actually at work, delete the distractions, you know, um, do what you can to like not browse the Internet. Give yourself timelines, you know, Parkinson's law. Give yourself shorter timelines. Increase the responsibility of what you're doing. Take on different roles. Invest in yourself more. Invest in relationships. Um, make your work, you know, more difficult. I mean, what I did, basically what, I, what happened to me was I, was I was in a lot of ways forced into a high-stress environment when I became a foster parent. You know, like the demands were very high. The consequences for failure were high. And I think that, you know, in the book, The, uh, the Millionaire Next Door, these two professors did a huge research study and they found that the people who become affluent and successful are the people who get paid for results. And so most employees, they don't get paid for results. They just get paid for time on the clock. And that's not a high stress environment. Right. You need, you need to get paid for what you actually accomplish. There needs to be. And so like, if you want to be in that high level of environment, you need to get paid for what you achieve and you need to, there needs to be 
high level consequences for what you don't. And then you need to continually be trying things you've never done before. So one of the people I talk about in the book is John Burke. He's a famous pianist. And uh, every album he writes, he tries stuff he's never done before. He tries, he, he writes songs that literally he doesn't have the capacity to, to play. And so like that's one of the things that you do is you try stuff that you've never done before. That creates flow. And, and there's got to be high consequence for failure. And so those are just some things you could implement. Well, I, I think that's fantastic advice. And I know we could probably go on for hours uh, talking about all this stuff and, and diving into it. Uh, the book really is, um, it's, it's one of the better uh, self-help books I've ever read. And I think I've read, I don't know, hundreds at this point in my career. Um, and what I love about it is that it's, it's compact. It, there, it's not like this long drawn out, you know, death march to the result. You get right to the point and you give practical advice. Uh, and so really, really well done. Uh, where can folks find the book? Where, what's the best place for them to go to find the book? Yeah. I mean, you could just find it on willpower, uh, or sorry, you can f- Go to Amazon, obviously. Uh, I've provided a link for you, which is, I think, willpowerdoesn'twork.com forward slash, let me see here, um, forward slash books dash bonus dash giveaway. Uh, I think you'll just probably have to provide a link for that. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, but, uh, you know, if you just buy it on um, Amazon, that's great. Yeah, I encourage you to go get the book uh, for everybody listening. It's uh, it really is fantastic, particularly the the way that Ben describes how to create your environments so that you're set up for success. Uh, I I really haven't seen that covered in that way anywhere else, and so I really recommend that you go and get it. Ben, thanks so much for investing some time with me today. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for your time, my friend. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.